for joining us for the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MassMEP understands that there are so many elements to a manufacturer's business. Whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or unlocking their growth that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. Every episode, take a journey with us as we talk with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in the Northeast, Southeast, Central, or Western regions of the Commonwealth, every episode will explain more about manufacturing and what's happening in your own backyard. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I'm Kevin Tata. Did you forget your name? I said it immediately. What do you mean? That was a little bit of a pause. That was a little bit more of a hesitant pause there on that one. I wasn't sure if I was going to go with your co-host or if I was just going to go just me or I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, even split now. I think everybody gets that it's just you and I and that we're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. The established co-host that was good for a little bit, but now they're like, okay, we've moved on. We get it. You're a co-host. Yeah. I think I did that for like one episode, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe two. Uh, So we're back. It is February. It is our second episode for our year in our topics of discussion. And this month we're focusing on cybersecurity and Kevin, you and I were talking about it a little bit today and I asked you a question and I said, Kevin, if you were to open up your own business, Kevin Stuff LLC, um, what is cybersecurity to you? And what did you say? I said, cybersecurity goes completely over my head and it's, (laughs) there's so many different like details within it. And it's so, it's so broad, I think is what I said. And there's a lot of different areas where you can get into it. Um, so yeah, it completely goes over my head. Yeah. You said that, but then there was one other key piece that you did say, and I said, what would you do if you had to deal with cybersecurity? And you said, go hire someone that knows what they're doing. (laughs) Ah, very good. Very good. So that would be who our guests are today. So we have back with us. Um, listen, I can't keep up with the names anymore because even today's topics, like you, whatever it is with your industry, you come up with the greatest titles of things in your industry. So I love it. Um, but we do have back with us uh, the famous Cinejax crew. We have back uh, Pete and John, and they have decided to break in Matt Spaniel. So welcome uh, all three of you back, John, Pete, and Matt. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for um, being here with us today. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I actually turned the icebreaker roll over. I don't do it anymore. What? No way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Things have changed. It hasn't been that. I mean, I feel like we just did one. It wasn't that long ago, was it? What? What? This is this well, is I think we were the first to, for Kevin to try out taking over the icebreaker. Mm-hmm. I think you dropped it on him on that one like out of the blue. Out of the <laughs> blue. I think you're right, Pete. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, hit, so, hit us. Yeah. So it's changed. It's changed a lot. We have a whole new opener now. 
we have a new ending now, different music. Like it's a, it's a whole, yeah, it's, it was a whole brand. Yeah. It's a lifestyle now. Continuous improvement is what we call it. <laughs> there, That is what we call it. All right, Kevin, you're up. All right. Without further ado, the icebreaker today is, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good one. Um, if you were forced to watch any reruns, if you were forced to watch reruns of one TV show, which would you choose? Just one TV show for the rest of your life, I guess. What TV Man. show would you only watch for the rest of your life? What are you thinking? After that intro, I thought you were going to ask if you were going to hire one cybersecurity company to run your business, which one would it be? That would have been so much easier to answer. Um, uh, uh, for, for me, uh, probably Mork and Mindy. I mean... I, I miss I miss Robin. I, I love that show. So it just makes me laugh all the time. I, I I miss that one. So for pure entertainment purposes, it would be that. And I'm pretty torn because of entertainment value. I don't know. And then like complexity of a show. I just got sucked back into watching uh, Lost over again. So. Um, I would go with Lost. It's it, every time I watch the episodes of it, I'm like, I go deeper into it and learn something new. That's great. That's great. I like that one. Wow, Matt, you Matt? get the answer. Let's hear what you got. Let's hear it. Uh, recently, I've been watching a lot of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so mm -hmm. I've got to say I'd probably go with that one. There's so much variety, and it's always funny. So that's that's a good one for the reruns like you'll never get yeah. bored of that i feel like you can pick it up on any episode and you'll never get bored that's a good one Haley, how about yourself um i at first i thought i knew what i was going to go with but then i i've changed my mind and i think i'm going to go with sopranos mm. Mm -hmm. you know i've never seen it mm, you're missing out missing out I, it's it's on my list it's mm -hmm. on my list for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. that's a good one too mm -hmm. i think um for the nostalgia factor, I mean, this is a show that I've probably watched like 10 times over. Um, I'm a huge Seinfeld guy. And I think just the watchability for each episode, similar to like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you can just pick up any any episode, like anywhere inside the uh, series. It's a little tougher with Lost, a little bit, but um, yeah. that's that's what I'd pick. I know, yeah. Lost, man. You just want to go home and be stressed out all the, all, every day? Like. <laughs> Poor people are stranded and there's weird things happening. Come on. I don't even know what even happened at the end of that, Pete. Like, what was the finale? What happened at the end of Lost? Yeah, I don't the remember. Oh, spoil uh, That's a massive spoiler. Yeah. That's, oh, I please. It's 10 years old. Podcast. Come on. <laughs> I'll just give you the, the absolute ending of Lost. So, Lost begins with uh, a, the main character, Jack, uh, mm -hmm. laying on the beach looking up and he opens his eyes after the plane crash and the, the series ends with Jack in the middle of the island closing his eyes uh dies at the end of the whole series oh but I'm not going to give you all the details of how we get there so nothing happened he fell out of the plane <laughs> and he died exactly nothing happened. <sighs> he didn't even get in the plane six he years of nothing in. In he was taking a nap on the beach the whole time exactly <laughs> Who read knows? a book, fell asleep, and yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, so disappointing. Phenomenal well, show, though. Yeah, the Sopranos ending wasn't much better either. So no. I, I mean, 
yeah, it's to, to just come on creativity. Where are you going, writers? Like, let's get a little bit more creative with things. So I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. All right. That's well, great. yeah, we're here, Kevin. You're you're since you're on such a great role with these um, icebreakers, you um, let's get let's get these guys going and uh, start talking some serious cybersecurity chat. Yeah, definitely. So. Haley, you gave me a good segue um, about the terminology that you guys use over at Synagex and how like we we love it. We were talking about it before and just the names that you guys come up with for some of the <laughs> uh, for some of these vulnerabilities or like things like that are fantastic. So we were looking at it and um, we were I saw I saw brute force. That's that's what where my eyes went to. And I saw you guys were speaking about it. So if you want to just give me a rundown on what is brute and how does it, I don't know, how how is it a vulnerability in these in the cyberverse? Pete and Matt will tell you about it, but we didn't make that up. Brute force is a real IT term. This, the, <laughs> 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 as, as geeks, we get a bad rap. Like you guys just make stuff up and like, what is brute force? It's not even a thing. We just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> He and Matt will tell you all about what brute force is, uh, but it's been around for a long time, actually. Um, it, and, and I'm sure they have some good examples of, uh, of some, some stuff in the field that's happened. Absolutely. And, and Kevin, I just want to go back to, to the fact that you started this with saying cybersecurity is such a a broad topic. And that's why we kind of focus, try to drill down on, on just a couple particular aspects of it today. And um, so brute force uh, being one of those is, it, it kind of almost, I have to go into some of the detail on what we talked about first with not just brute force, but the whole bot idea, um, having botnets and bots, um, and then that builds onto the brute force and how brute force is utilized by some of these bots to accomplish a certain task. And that just develops into that whole, we said, we're gonna talk about security appliance vulnerabilities. You mentioned mm -hmm. vulnerabilities earlier. So um, how these are all, the complexity these all go into and build upon the kind of attack of these vulnerabilities, the different systems. So uh, brute force is just one method that a bot or botnet would utilize to do this and what a bot or botnet is. So a bot is really short for robot. So it was a programming version of saying, we're going to program some specific little robot to do this task. It's like a virtual robot, I guess. So that virtual robot, in, and there could be good bots and bad bots. So in this context of using like a brute force attack, that brute force being, oh, we're gonna, um, I think you referenced this in our email, like kick in the door. That's what this brute force is gonna be. Well, it's a, a little bit more difficult than that because the brute force is like, having a key ring with thousands of keys on it and you're just trying to go up to a door and try like the janitor going up there and trying oh i'll get in eventually keep trying these keys where if you were doing like a credential stuffing which brute force kind of uh, morphed into this credential stuffing becomes oh 
not just a brute force attack. We have some more data involved. Like we know a whole bunch of passwords in there. So I can use, I know Pete, Pete's credentials. I got them from a leaked or stolen credentials from um, maybe I was part of a insurance company that that insurance company got hacked, got a lot of these leaked credentials. So I don't have to start guessing anymore. I can um, try. I know Pete's had an account in here. He used a very common password across all of these different systems. So I can just start using Pete Morin's email address and known credentials he used to try to open that door. The botnets come in. So they're rather than like a, a hacker sitting at a device and that hacker typing in these things, like I know this password, the brute force would be, I'm guessing the password. The credential stuffing would be, oh, I have this password right here. I'll try that one. Oh, I know it's, it didn't work, but I know he also used this password. I'll try that one. The bots are using this program. They know the list and they can just automate that kind of task of trying to um, authenticate there. So they're just going to take my whole list of known passwords and boop, try to enter them one right after another with the brute force with a botnet or a bot, it's trying to randomly select different password combinations to, I'm just going to keep hammering it until I find one that works. So um, kind of, kind of like an, it, it's evolved, right? I, you know, brute, brute force really just means you're just trying to get gas and force, right? Basically, you know, I like yeah. the key ring analogy. We're just, we're just trying and one of these keys is going to work until somebody stops me. And so the whole concept of having your account lock out was because of a brute force attack, right? Right. The account lockout means you tried a few times, the lock's not available anymore for a period of time. It's kind of an old way to deal with it. What's interesting now is because of things like the dark web and because of automation, right? These things are mechanized. They sit there, they wait. As soon as the lock shows up, it's going to try. It's, you know, it'll wait. It'll try some more. And because of the dark web, it may actually try keys that have a high probability of working because I know a little bit about what I'm trying to do. So there's an evolution of what a brute force attack is, uh, but the term's been out there for, for a pretty long time. That's right. So is this something where, um, like you think about, we're doing a lot more of the double authentication now in everything that we do. Is that some of a, one of those preventative pieces that you can use for something like this? Like, what do they do to stop this? Or can you? The, you're dead on there, Haley. That's the first thing that, well, first thing that came out to try to avoid this was strong complex passwords. So try to do something like a long combination string of passwords and then like a, a sentence, but break that sentence up by using, um, symbols and numbers and yeah. things well even that well if your password that was complex got compromised in some yeah. way then it's not as strong as it used to be and that bot's able to say well yeah it's complex and i don't have to type the whole thing i'm just like here inserting it where appropriate so then multi-factor or that two-factor came along like you're talking about so using um, some other factor using um fingerprinting, um, either fingerprints, uh, visual of your entire face, 
right. ACE, whatever it might be, some other factor with the combination of that complex password, which makes it um, more difficult, but not always impossible to break that authentication. A lot of the defenses for something like this are things that, you know, a, a cybersecurity professional would help a business with. It's, it's kind of a difficult thing to defend yourself against on your own, uh, only because a lot of it is in configuration. It's not a, you, you know, there, there really isn't a brute, anti-brute force product. It's in how many times does it take before your uh, account locks out? What, you know, what sort of force complexity? Do we force multi-factor authentication? When it gets locked out, how long does it stay locked out before it automatically resets itself? Um, you know, firewalls, something as simple as we don't allow any traffic to touch our firewall or, or access anything inside our network outside of these geolocations, mm. right? So th those are things that you do to sort of defend yourself against a brute force attack and others, but it, it, it is, is, it's simple, a simple form of attack. It is a kind of complicated thing to defend yourself against. Well, I think too, we were, Kevin and I were reading up on it earlier. Cause I was like, I have to look these, these, you know, this language up and see if what's real and learn a little bit more about it. And in one of them, I read something along the lines of basically, if you don't, if you don't know, you don't know. So like, that's a great example, but if there are some of these clients that you may have, they may not even be aware of what say holes they have, right. That exist. So you being able to go in, like we talked about the assessments and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that more later on, but that, how do you, you know, like, it's kind of like us going in and saying, Hey, we've got, here's a great program for you, a great leadership program. This might be good. And I'm going, mm, we're good. We know how to lead. You know, we've got great leaders here. Like we've got a great culture. Oh, we can kind of see some things. So is that, are you, is it similar for you when you go into that environment and saying, Ooh, we see where there might be some holes for you? Yeah. I, you know, that's a, that's a great way to frame it. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're talking very specifically about a single vulnerability. Right. Um, but as Kevin mentioned earlier, the, the, there's a lot, right. There's, there's quite a bit there. And, and so, so having command over a single vulnerability might make you feel good in the short run, but there's mm -hmm. so much. And, 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 and so, you know, the way we, the way we tend to, to look at things is, is the way the federal government kind of frames things up for us with NIST, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you take a broader lens, right? In that uh, your, your, your password hygiene or the way that you manage, you know, some of these potential risks um, is a better way to sort of prevent any sort of a cybersecurity attack from happening. And so going through the process of getting an assessment, uh, using a standard framework, is a, it's a great way to identify where you might have some holes. In the end, it, there needs to be an overarching plan that sort of addresses these things in a strategic way. Because if you try to pick them off one by one, if you try to say, hey, I heard this great podcast, Mass MVP, they tell me about brute force, I'm gonna shut this thing down. You know, great for you, that, you know, that, that, that's awesome. But there's probably 110,000 other things that you need to be looking for as well. Um, it's great that we're making progress, but it's a lot, it's a lot. So, so yeah, to your point, I think, you know, getting some help, um, identifying where some of those gaps are and, and get some advice on how to uh, attack, attack these things in a broader way is, is really the best way to attack uh, some of these things. 
sometimes I feel like, you know, I feel bad. I, you know, <laughs> we've been studying IT our whole life and we love it. We're just born geeks, uh, you know, but I, I own a, a business myself. And when we start getting around tax season and we're getting in the weeds with accounting, I want to poke my eye out. Like it's, it's just, I don't even know where to start. I got to do 1099s. We got to do, right. We got to, we got to prepare for this, prepare for that. I just want help. So I can, I can imagine what it feels like to be a manufacturer or, or to own a small business and to be concerned about this sort of a topic or to hear something that raises your curiosity um, and trying to find the time to deal with it. I mean, that's, that's just really got to be a difficult thing. It, you know, cybersecurity is such a broad topic. To make matters worse, you know, even if you go to find help, uh, IT companies can be a pain in the butt to deal with, right? Uh, we, uh, we work pretty hard to try to se separate ourselves, hence the cheesy BJ's jokes and things like that. But you know, I think as a business owner, you, you, you know, you have to, you're, you're charged with figuring out cybersecurity, you're charged with finding a partner. And then, you know, sometimes you get to that partner and it's like, oh my gosh, this person only understands IT and cybersecurity and has no idea how my business works and how I make money and how I have to, what, what my challenges are every day. And I mean, it's, it's such a daunting task. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, it, we're, we're all on the right path. We like, we like to, to, to talk about some of these specifics, you know, to educate and to pique interest, you know, but at the end of the day, you need to find help from someone who can speak English, understand your business, and then give you an English solution on how to deal with that, right? And, and I'm using the term English freely. I'm just, I just mean simple, right? So what do I need to do? How much does it cost? How long does it take, right? So that I can weigh that against what potential revenue risk I have. That's the simple here. And you just need somebody to help you identify those things. Uh, and so MassMEP is a fantastic resource to start to find that because they've done the work to weed out the horrible IT companies out there that, that can't give you good advice about your business. Yeah, don't worry. We'll get you a, we'll get you a BJ's membership after that plug, John. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say the same thing. <laughs> 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 oh man no don't it'll come right out of Kevin's I, I, he won't miss it no biggie no biggie at all no <laughs> so switching up the gears a bit i know you guys gave us a little bit of a um sheet to do our homework on look up uh some terminologies like brute force and credential stuffing and so we went over that um could you tell me a little bit about security appliance vulnerabilities and how that affects um actors that we work with and where they can find these vulnerabilities yeah you guys want to take that one i mean that's that's pretty geeky uh, you want a shot at that one? Um, yeah, security vulnerabilities are something that I work with fairly often. Um, usually when you hear about an incident or um, something similar, you usually look at, you know, what's the state of the firmware? Has it been updated recently or operating system? And the reason that you probably get tons of emails or get pestered by certain companies to update your firmware or your operating system, such as, you know, Windows when it's at the most annoying time to upgrade your system. The reason they pass you to do that is because with older firmware or operating systems, it comes with a heap of vulnerabilities that have become known. And it's interesting that uh, recently we actually just had a company that was affected by a significant security incident because their 
uh, SSL VPN was not up to date with their firmware. And because of that, there was known vulnerability and they were able to get in and log in that way and was able to steal files and negatively impact the company. Luckily, they were able to recover through backups, but this is something that you know, happens to everyone. It's, you know, a six to 10 person shop. It's not, you know, 500, 500 person shop doing, you know, massive business with, you know, big contracts. It was, you know, mom and pop shop and they got nailed and they had to try and recover the best they could. Yeah. I mean, the zero day attacks are very, can be very difficult, right? Um, you know, the uh, security appliances are all public facing. Well, most are, right? So uh, Pete mentioned bots before. Well, there's bots out there looking at endpoints on the internet. They're just, you know, it's like, I don't know, it'd be like a robot walking down the street looking for an open door, right? And inevitably, gonna find one. Oh, look at that, door's left open. So they're gonna walk in. It's not really about, well, that place looks like it has some some nice loot in there. It's just opportunity, right? And so um, in, in thinking about, you know, security appliances and zero days and vulnerabilities, you know, that's, that's kind of a nice visual. Um, I, you know, I think we talked to a lot of folks who think, oh, I'm not a target, right? This, this couldn't happen to me, but to Matt's point, it's really more about the opportunity. Yeah. I think it's interesting the way it's it's done. So uh, there's a little bit of almost backwards thinking as a manufacturer, when you see zero day, a lot of them focus on zero days since an injury, but this is actually the opposite of that, right? So zero day attacks is you have that it's increasing. So that means that they're, it's, it's happening more often. Is that right? The, the zero day attack is more, um, it's a not a known vulnerability yet. So meaning it's zero days that the vulnerability has been known. So mm -hmm. a hacker might find a weakness in a, a firewall, in the code of that firewall that no one's aware of yet. The manufacturer's not aware of that. The hacking community might start communicating about that and taking advantage of that. It's zero days since the manufacturer was aware. They weren't aware until the vulnerability was attacked and exposed. So that's day one. And then moving forward on how are we going to address that vulnerability? How are we going to patch it and uh, protect our systems from that? Wow. There was a cool one a couple of years ago called Log4j, right? That, that was a Linux vulnerability. It was a huge one. Yeah. And I remember, I remember that zero day, right? When we learned about it and we're trying to gather, you know, what the heck uh, is this thing? What's our, what's our client's exposure and how do we deal with it? But there was a period of time where the whole world was vulnerable to this risk. There was no remediation except shut it down. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. The, the, the kicker with that one was, you know, the, that particular risk, it was a Linux risk. And uh, sorry for the geek stuff, but it, Linux is on like everything, right? So uh, Linux would be like on a, it could be a router runs on Linux. It could be a security appliance runs on Linux. It could be a server runs on Linux. It could be an IoT device, a, a manufacturing device that runs on Linux. All of these were uh, exposed with this vulnerability. And for probably two to three days, the solution was shut it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. 
Yeah, the best way to describe it is that you have zero days to react to this vulnerability. Something has happened, you you do not have any time to react to it, which is why updating is so important. Obviously, you can't update to prevent a zero day, but right. those are the kind of circumstances that you think about. You know, log4j is still an issue, and for people who are, you know, unaware or don't want to turn their things off and reboot them, you know, this still poses an issue. And that uh, particular zero-day vulnerability called log4j is relatively easy to manipulate if you can get to it. So it is something concerning. Wow. Well, all I can think about is, Matt, you saying that the firm firmware and that mm -hmm. my instant response on my TV when it comes on is turn it off. So what I'm hearing now is I need to update it, right? Or I'm going to get hacked to my TV. I love I, every time we start getting into the really scary. I want to know what Haley watches because every time we get into the really scary stuff, it's like, wait a minute, my TV. <laughs> what, what it could that? have log4j on it. I love it. It tells me, it tells me it's like your, your firmware needs to be updated. I'm like, just turn it off. It'll go away. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but it's Haley, funny when you're absolutely right because that's um when we're doing like a vulnerability scan of a network yeah. people aren't thinking about that smart tv that, Absolutely. okay i just ignored it why do i care i don't put needs a firmware update it can wait i have a present presentation to do or i need to watch lost whatever it might be right. and so you push it off <laughs> oh i can't help it so matt i'll let you know next time it needs updated and i'll be like what am i supposed to do and you'll say just hit update Okay. Yeah, shoot me an email. We'll, yep. we'll take we care can, of it. We yeah. can do a vulnerability scan at your house. We'll take care of all the devices with Log4J. Okay. My husband's like, what is this? Why is this on this TV all the time? What is, get a new TV. Just go get a new TV. <laughs> That's a solution as well. Yeah, that'll work, that'll work too. <laughs> oh, no, no more. No more. We won't be doing it. Um, so we talk, I and I know when we obviously work good at saying, you know, we can help you with this and we'll get you connected with Cinegex, but there's a lot of stuff going on around CMMC right now and the cybersecurity. So we kind of, we've been back and forth on CMMC. I know you have in here that you're going to summarize what you know and expected rollout timeline. I'm not going to believe a word you say, only because we've been doing this for three years and none of it has come to fruition yet. So you go ahead and give us the timeline, let us know what's going on, and then let's put some money on it and let's see where we are in a year's time and if we're, if we're there or not. We'll rewind the episode and we'll throw the red flag and we'll see who's going to win the money on this one. I yeah. like it. I like it. Go for it. Yeah, and I don't want to say that I'm stating that this is when this is going to roll out. Yes, I'm, you are. You are the certification authority. Go ahead. So, and and I'll I'll uh, add a little um, to the fact that everything we talked about today actually falls within the CMMC framework. So, we talked about the NIST and and the NIST 800-171 framework that CMMC is based off of, there are controls that directly relate to uh, vulnerabilities and, and uh, multi-factor authentication, things that will help patch or protect you from a brute force attack. They might not solve it, but 
that it's all building upon these different security practices. Um, but as far as CMMC 2.0 and what we project as the, the rollout timeframe, so we have made big strides since the last time we talked or uh, the, the um, rollout of the whole program. So on December 26th of last year, 2023, um, it was released or published um, as a interim rule. So um, they uh, are actually, yeah, proposed rule. So that will come into the federal register on the 26th of December, it opened up for public comment. So that public comment period allows for any manufacturer to read this um, proposed rule and say, hey, this, we don't see how this actually is going to help from our security standpoint, or it might make this more difficult. So I want to comment on these certain, either whether it's controls or how it's going to be implemented, what the requirements are put upon us as a small organization that's in the defense industrial base. They have to take all of that public comment. So that's a 60 day period that is supposed to end on February 26th, they could request an extension on that public comment period. But if it all fits within that 60 day window, every public comment that's made has to be responded to. So um, everyone that goes out there and makes their comment, you need to receive a response. They can't finalize the plan until everything's responded to and decided on, are we gonna make any changes based on that? very unlikely at this point, but something might come up that they say, hey, we hear you, we need to address that before we finalize uh, CMMC 2.0. Once that all flushes out, um, they're looking at estimated Q1 of 2025. They're saying at the earliest would be when this rule is in force. So, um, that's when you're gonna start seeing it in contracts. But the big change from what we were originally hearing is that it's gonna be a four phased program. So um, there's a lot of defense contractors out there that need to meet the certification process. So that four phases is trying to figure out how do we get everyone to a certification point um, in an organized manner that it's not just on day one, on that zero day of the CMMCs being rolled out that everyone has to be already assessed and certified if it's level two at level two. So that phase, those four phases, and I could go into more detail of each if you wanted, but it's um, that's going to extend that time. So if you were in phase one, phase one is really just based on what we've been saying all along as manufacturers that we are meeting these NIST 800-171 controls. Six months after that, we go into phase two um, and that's level two trying to reach certification points. But we're at almost 80,000 contractors that are gonna need that CMMC level two certification or so how do we assess all of those in a timely manner and, and start to, um, so that we can respond to those contract requests and continue the work in the defense industrial base? And if you're a, a small um, mom and pop shop making some widget that's going into a, a defense contract, you want to make sure that you can continue that work. And if that's 
considered CUI data, you need to know where you fall within those phases. Go after that as soon as possible. Like be working at your um, certification, your initial assessment, self-assessment, and then move toward at some point working with a cert certified third-party organization to um, receive that certification. So this is just curiosity. Can an, the administration, you know, like if obviously we're in an election year, right? So could that have ever have anything to do with maybe slowing this down or speeding this up? It's a good question. Um, and yes, absolutely. So the Congress has to review this at some point in this. And if we change um, with administration, um, Congress could take a look back at that up to, I think they said a six month look back or no 60 day look back, I believe. So they could say if this were released and Congress shifts within that 60 day window, they can say, hey, well, we don't like how that was implemented by our last administration. We want to review this now and be sure that this is the program we want to move forward with. So yes, it could throw um, a wrench in that and potentially push that timeline even further down. Well, I guess we will see, but interesting. I just, sometimes you don't realize, I think, you know, when you don't work in, and it, when you're in the private sector, sometimes you don't see some of these things that go on in the bureaucracy and the red tape behind the fine lines. I think you know it's kind of there and it kind of lives in that space, but you I, until you're on this side and you're in like we are in a nonprofit and we do see this shift happen sometimes, it really changes your focus and your vision and how specific it can be common to something like that. If you would have, I never would have asked that question five years ago, you know, but today, it crosses my mind constantly. Yeah. Okay. So I think it. Whoop, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. Uh, I, I just can't help myself, right? So I think it's important to also remember that you know the the compliance uh, regulatory political piece, you know, it all exists to kind of nudge us along as a culture when thinking about this topic. Uh, you know, I think the thing you really need to ask yourself is, you know. Do you believe it's really necessary, right? If and, and especially if we're working in uh, the defense industrial base that defends, you know, our our country. And um, yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's some time before the compliance really starts to take uh, effect, but uh, there's a there's a real weakness in in our cybersecurity posture, you know, as a country, and we all have a small responsibility in that. Sure, it's complicated, but. Uh, I, I think that's a good question to ask yourself. You know, is it is it is it time for us to really take this a little more seriously? I think it might provide a slightly different lens than waiting for when someone has to tell us to, to get it done. Yeah. Well, I think the positive thing is behind it is the funding, right? That's being put into place. So right now we've got the the MMAP cybersecurity grant that we are working with, it was released and we said November that we can kind of remember is when they released this. Uh, there's a lot of money that's coming in behind this. And then they are trying to get a lot of uh, 
the businesses, the manufacturers, obviously what we're focused on to jump on this grant. But we've talked about it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of work. Uh, there's some processes that go into it. So I would like for you to kind of explain a little bit about it, give an idea, and then just to get people education on what it is and why it why it's important for them. I mean, obviously, if you haven't listened to anything we've said during this entire episode, you, you know, you, which hopefully you have, there's there is that importance in there. But I think there are some people that are going to look at this and go, mm, I'm too small for that. Or mm, I, I'm only one that can, you know, I don't have time for that or whatever it may be. We've always said the long term expense will far exceed what it is in the initial investment. So making that adjustment. And now there's finally some funding that's kind of, kind of coming in behind that. Totally. What an awesome opportunity, right? And we've been doing this assessment work for some time. And, you know, for those that have, have jumped on it, kudos, you know, but the, the next question is always, okay, right? We, we, we've got this figured out. We know how much it's going to cost. You know, we've we got a good sense for how much time. Is there any help, right? Can we, can we get some funding to help to, to, to get started, get some of these things done? Uh, there's a chunk of it that is that is capital equipment in a lot of cases, right? It's uh, access control, cameras, right? And even some that we would say are, you know, non quote unquote non IT items that need to be implemented. This grant is a great opportunity, you know, it's to 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 go and get some of that stuff done. Uh, and from a requirements perspective, right? I think we're talking about, you know, we need to have an assessment within the last year. Um, Right. We need to uh, we need to obviously make some investment here to move the needle. But uh, the match, I think the limits, right, it's it's up to thirty thousand dollars in match to, to 30 invested. Uh, that's that's incredible. Right. That's that's such an awesome opportunity. Cinegex does this assessment work in other states across the country. And, you know, we can honestly say that in Massachusetts, uh, that's such uh, an amazing opportunity that we don't see in other places in the country. So. Uh, I, I mean, if if I'd encourage folks, if you haven't looked into it, uh, you know, this is one of those grand opportunities that I think is just a, it's a slam dunk, right? You're, you're going to have to make some investment there. Go get some free money. A year ago, this wasn't even available. So like you said, it was only in November. Um, people were scrambling states, uh, the federal government on being asked, like, how, how are you going to help us? We need to spend money on this. Is there any additional help? And at that time, the answer was no. Mm -hmm. So this is fantastic that it's now available to, to uh, contribute toward your um, compliance and, and keeping these contracts in, in the defense industrial base. Um, as, as John mentioned, it's very, it's uh, hardware focused. So, um, but in the one-to-one, -one, so you could invest in services like a cloud service or um, time spent on a project, so personnel and hours, um, but that 30,000 that's going to be covered under the grant funds has to be um, hardware, um, firewalls, security equipment, cameras, things like Servers. that. Servers, yep. There's a lot there, right? I mean. Pete, how, and you know, as you're out there doing assessment work, I mean, what are, are those the most common things that that pop up? Firewalls, security appliances, switches, access control. So many, absolutely many um, organizations, especially the smaller um, 
businesses don't think about the cameras or security control of the building. It's a steel key and we give every employee one and we don't know how many are out there. Um, so the access control, just the physical access control, not to mention um, there are a lot of these flat networks, work group environments that don't have a server in place. So this could help you put in a server with the authentication mechanisms for access control to your networks and better protect those. Yeah. So the assessments we talked about, it's a little bit of time, right? It does take a little bit of work on their end and that's where you are now with, you have quite a few manufacturers that are going through this process right now. And we talked about it. So I do know that the MMAP will close in June. Um, it, is, it is February. Uh, they, they are, I mean, the time we're, we're tight on the time, I would say, um, I don't think that if anybody were to get started now or within the next couple of weeks, I think they would still be able to kind of make the cut. Um, but we're, you know, it's a good couple of months, right. And time. And then I think if, if it is a good chunk of time, is it a good chunk of time because, maybe it is somebody that's lesser on that side, like you were just saying, is it because they don't have those things? Whereas if more of them, if there are some clients that are more prepared and that have kind of been working towards this, are they gonna need less time in order to put in to do the assessment and then to go for the application and kind of move forward with it? Yeah, that, that's that's a great point. You know, we, we're, we're talking a lot about those things. Obviously, with the clients that we're actively engaged in, Peter and his team are constantly refreshing that assessment to make sure that, uh, you know, the score is updated and then that the strategic plan has that stuff in there. So they're very ready, you know, to, to say, hey, yeah, we knew we were going to make this investment in the next year in these things to improve our score. Let's just get the proposal together and submit the application, right? Uh, and, and, and if we're not there, if we're in a place where, hey, you know, we got the assessment a year and a half ago or we've never gotten one done, sure, there's a little bit more runtime, you know, to, to catch up there. And so sooner the better. There's, there's definitely some, uh, some time that needs to be invested to get to the point where we can apply to take advantage of these funds. Yeah, I think if Lisa Oden was in here or Christy, they would just say, and like you said earlier, John, the opportunity, you just, you got you to gotta take it. I mean, if you, what is that quote? You know, you only miss the shots that you don't take, you know? Yes. So it's the same situation. Like you have to at least try and see what you can get because you just never know. And it's, do you know what the amount is that they're that they're handing out per person or is it kind of different? Is it need-based? How are they working the grant funding on that? Mm. My understanding, here I am right here. I'm, I'm accusing Peter of being the cyber AB accreditation authority and now i'm going to put myself in the grant mass tech position uh i you know I, my understanding is that it's uh it's so it's up to it's a up to thirty thousand dollar grant on thirty thousand dollars invested right and and the the approvals uh last i heard were, were rolling right so it's the, the 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 money is awarded uh on a rolling basis and when it's over it's it's over right um, the the uh, the folks deciding at Mass Tech, I, I do believe it's need based, right? But it's also timing. So I think the the sooner you get in there, the the, the higher 
higher the likelihood, you know, that um, you'll have a chance at getting some, getting some money. So yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I said that well. No, it was perfect. That was great. great. (laughs) I'll have to call. We'll have to call mass tech later and make sure that I said that right. But but yeah, you you accomplished that in 30 seconds versus the 30 minute meeting we had back in November. (laughs) We work with people on the ground you know, they want it quick. Like, what what do I got to do? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. This one, and we've seen a lot, you know, there's uh, grants can be difficult to qualify for. This one's pretty simple assessment within the last 12 months. And uh, you know, just a, a basically a, a quote for something that ties to the gaps in the assessment uh, and, and submit that sucker, right? Yeah, yeah. So we are going to be doing a webinar about it uh, because we do want to get the information out there and educate the manufacturers in the state of Massachusetts because we do feel very strongly behind, you know, the match. So 30-30 match, um, you're, it's one of those situations where you you know, the making this $30,000 investment on the front end is, you know, you're, if they're putting an equal amount investment into you, seems like a pretty good risk to take, um, to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make this investment and then come out better on the other end of it, uh, doubling up in, in what you're putting into it. So some cases, you know, yeah, there's opportunities in other areas that have been, you know, it's a hundred percent match based on time, uh, but in you may not qualify for capital equipment. So there's a lot more. You know, the way that they're trying to work this grant, like you said, Pete, it's it's come a long way. And in a year's time, where even a year ago there was no funding towards it, and now we're looking at it going, wait a second, there needs to be money to help people get to where they should be on this. So, so we'll have the information for that uh, webinar, and then we'll also have the link. Uh, in the podcast episode, so people can link to where the MMAP uh, cybersecurity grant is, so they can go in and and fill out the application. Yeah, so that's it. Awesome. I mean, yeah, thanks guys, we appreciate it. Thanks Got for listening that. to our to our IT material minutia, oh. whatever we want to call it. We we're <laughs> always very thankful when people want to listen to our cybersecurity rant. You got it. You got it. Now, Kevin, we got to go do the firmware update up in the, in the TVs in the office (laughs) (laughs) right away. Yeah. So two things I took away today were the firmware update on my TV and that they are, they put a suggestion box in for CMMC. That's all I've taken away today. (laughs) It's good. That's uh, those were the two nuggets that we hope to impart. Haley, thank you. <laughs> I know, I know. Very simple, very simple minded over here. Very simple minded. No, no, hence, no. hence why we do this. <laughs> and you do what you do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Always a good time. You got it. All right. Well, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to the Mass MEP podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the MassMEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcast, or you can always go to our website at massmep.org. We'll see you next time, whether it's in our space, your space, or cyberspace. <laughs>